Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We are in the Gospel Life series. We're in three areas of Scripture, Romans chapter 15, Acts chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Once again, those areas, Romans 15, Acts chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we get ready to dig into God's Word. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. And thank you, Jesus, that you've opened up the door of salvation for us. And like you spurred the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, and all the others, I pray this prophetic word would ring true and we would see a harvest like we've never seen before. Lord, in these evil days, we ask where sin abounds, grace would abound. Give us the favor and the grace to see revival in L.A. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 15, I'm going to pick it up there in verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless... Brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, either in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Ilicrium, I have fully, listen again, I have fully preached or completely preached, wholly preached the gospel of Christ. So I made it my aim to preach the gospel Not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Do you remember this phrase? Ready, set, So, well, you guys didn't play that game as a kid? <laughs> Only Jocelyn. Ready, set, go! There you go, South Bay. Don't you remember it? And what's amazing to me is Christians are the only ones who don't know what to do when it comes to the word go in the 21st century. Let me say that again. Because not only is the first two letters of the gospel go, the very 
direction of the gospel is go into all the world. The problem is, is that when the gate opens and God said, ready, set, go, Christians, they go, uh, I'm not an evangelist. Uh, isn't that the pastor's job? Uh, where do I begin? What do I say? I probably need a class. How do I say it? I'm so nervous. I'm so afraid. What do you mean, ready, set, go? Uh! Christians are the only ones who don't understand ready, set, and instead of going, when the gun has gone off, oh, we are standing for the gospel, but we're not going anywhere with it. It's good for us, but what's good for the goose is maybe not good for the gander. Ready? Set. You see, Paul's concluding his letter to the Romans, which boldly details the gospel. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, he said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, I am bold for the gospel. In fact, we have developed a way to give the gospel through the book of Romans. It's called the Romans Road. The Romans Road. Let me share it with you. You can take someone to Romans 3.23. Now, I'm not giving you the scriptures. That's up to you now to go research. If you want to take out your camera and take a little picture, this is a way to share the gospel. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next step in the Romans Road is the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus wants to give you a gift. And the gift that he wants to give you is eternal life. Well, see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, so it doesn't matter what you've done. While you were still in your sin, Christ died for you. Well, then how can I be saved, someone might ask. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, my goodness. Well, what does it mean to be saved? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. <gasps> that means I'm forgiven of all of my sin? Oh, absolutely. Because Romans 8, chapter 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You just gave the gospel. Look at that. It's called the Romans Road. And Paul has taken the time through the entire book of Romans to give the gospel. And when he communicates in Romans 15, 15, I have written more boldly to you on some points. He is speaking about the fact that he was not ashamed of the gospel. But now, in Romans 15, Paul shows us this conclusion what it means to fully preach the gospel. 
Well, what does that mean? I actually stopped for just a moment there. If you remember in verse 19, and I hesitated, I so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel. Well, what Paul is trying to accomplish and what he's trying to teach to the Roman church is that his whole life revolved around ready, set, go. You see, what we're going to call this is gospel life. When we revolve our entire life around the gospel, this is the gospel life. And what we're going to do over the next nine weeks is we're going to dissect, we're going to dig deep into Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 21, to understand what is this gospel life. And the very first thing that he focuses on, look at verse 15 again, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points. The first one that we'll discuss tonight is the boldness of the gospel. The boldness of the gospel. Now, I am sure that none of us are surprised at the boldness of the great apostle Paul. I mean, from the very beginning of his ministry in Acts chapter 9. Acts 9, verse 27, the Bible says, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, how he had spoken to him, how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. Paul was bold from the gospel in Acts chapter 9, and he had just gotten saved. You remember? It was there in Athens. Paul went on the speaker's rock, on the speaker's platform, and there in Athens, where they worshipped every god under the sun, he boldly proclaimed the gospel. From the very beginning to the middle, and then in Acts chapter 28, verse 31, the Bible says in Acts 28, verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence or with all boldness, no one forbidding him. From the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry, Paul was bold for the gospel. So there's three things about this that I want us to understand. Firstly, his boldness came from the Spirit of Christ within him. His boldness came from the Spirit of Christ within him. In Philemon chapter 8, the Bible says, Therefore, though I might... If we could go back to that slide, that would be great. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command to you what is fitting. Do you see that text? It's Philemon 8. Very bold in Christ. Very bold in Christ. Paul was bold because the Spirit of Christ was in him. In John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 25 and 26, the Bible says, Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he who they seek to kill, speaking of Jesus? But look, he speaks boldly. And they lay nothing, say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Jesus had no problem with clarity. Amen? Jesus had no problem with boldness. 
the spirit of Jesus, who had no problem with clarity or boldness, is confidently ministering through the apostle Paul. Secondly, Paul grew in boldness. Secondly, Paul grew in boldness. It's Acts chapter 13, verse 46. The Bible says, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Do you know what the Jews did when Paul said, We're going to the Gentiles? <gasps> they had cardiac arrest. The hospitals were filled with code blue. Like there was a nightmare going on in Jerusalem when Paul made the declaration that he was going to go to the Gentiles. Paul grew in boldness. And let me tell you why I believe he did. I believe that Paul grew in boldness and it stemmed from his prayer life. He was dependent on God to be bold. You see, boldness comes from the Lord. It didn't come out of Paul. It came from the Lord, the Spirit of Christ in him. It's Psalm chapter 138, verse 3. Psalm 138, 3, the Bible says, In the day when I cried out, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Boldness comes from the Lord. God provides the grace of boldness when we depend on him. Not only does he provide the grace of boldness, he actually, like a good coach, he's a great coach. If he sees a weakness in your life, he begins to strengthen it. And so God will give us situations in our life to make us bold. Let me give you an example. You can read the story later. David is facing Goliath. And you know what he told Saul? He said this, God's been prepping me. This is the Chet version. God's been prepping me a long time for this beast. I have fought the lion and the bear. God's been making me bold my whole life to prepare me for this circumstance with Goliath. I have fought the lion and the bear. The bear. Shall I mention the state of California? God's been preparing Calvary Chapel South Bay for the bear. Let me tell you something. Paul was ministering in Corinth. Now, you might say to yourself, well, Paul didn't minister in L.A. He don't know how difficult it is here. I mean, the people here are evil. They're mean. Like, you bring up the gospel, and they don't talk to you for the rest of your life. I invited so many people from my gym to come to Easter. When I went to the gym, I couldn't believe I, first of all, I got up to go to the gym on Easter morning. I mean, uh, the day after Easter. Andrea looked at me, and I looked at her, and I'm like, I don't know if I can get out of bed. Like, I was just sitting there. And then, Monday after Easter, I planted my entire garden. Something's wrong with me. I don't know what the problem is. But I go to the gym on Monday, and everyone that I invited to the gym, every time I would walk past them, all of a sudden, I am like reject number one, Okay. The people that I invited that were uh, there that, you know, you do your little card to let them in, not even hello. The people that I work out with, I'm like, nobody wanted to speak to me. And they weren't even being mean. You just feel so rejected. I mean, and one of them came and brought her whole family. It was great. 
But the truth of the matter is, we might look at Paul and go, well, you were ministering in Corinth. You don't understand what it is to minister in L.A. Corinth was worse than L.A. And that's where Paul was bold. And let me tell you why it was worse than L.A. You know what L.A. means? Los Angeles. Do you know what that means? The angels. Do you know where that comes from? The missions of Catholic missionaries that came all through California. And they named all these cities San Diego, San Saint Francisco, okay? You have to understand that this was started as a Christian state. That's why the enemy hates California. Actually loves California, but hates how it started. We have a foundation of Christianity in California. There was no foundation of the knowledge of Jesus at all in Corinth. And that's where Paul started. That's where Paul started. At least we can say, you know what the city's called? It's called the angels. Like, we can take some route to foundation to talk about the gospel. Paul had no common ground. And I don't want you to think that the great apostle Paul, oh, he was just a bold guy. That's just who he was. Not so. In Acts chapter 18, verse 9, Acts 18, verse 9, I want you to see this on the screen. This is God, through an angel, speaking to Paul. What did he say? Do not be afraid. Speak. Be bold. Don't be silent. For I'm with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. Paul had just been stoned. So now he's going, I don't know if I want to say anything. I remember what happened to me the last time. I don't know if I'm going to go back to the gym and invite anyone to church because then nobody will talk to me. I hate that feeling of rejection. I don't like feeling when people don't like me. I'd rather be in relationship with you than you be in relationship with Jesus. I mean, come on. You and me on earth is so much better than you and me in eternity. Paul was terrified. So God shows up and says, do not be afraid. So I don't want you to think that the great apostle Paul didn't struggle with fear. No, that's not at all what happened. Paul was praying for boldness. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 9, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, listen to what he asked the church. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Okay, so we're ending the, the armor being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make the mystery of the gospel known. Please pray that I'm bold. Because this prayer was a prayer of the first church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, go there with me. Acts chapter 4, we're going to do a little pericope, a little pick out a verse here and there through chapter 4, okay? Acts chapter 4, I want you to take a look at verse 8. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Okay, let's back up just a minute. 
This is the Peter whom a little girl said, I know you. You were with Jesus. You sound like a Galilean. No, I wasn't. Get away from me, you little girl. Someone else. I know you. You were with Jesus. No, I wasn't. I know you. You even, Sarah, you were with Jesus. I don't even know the man. cock a doodle doo Wasn't in my notes. What an alarm for Peter. What an alarm for Peter. Denied him. Now filled with the Spirit. Listen up, you rulers. You who crucified the Lord. Excuse me? What happened? They get punished... They get released. Acts chapter 4, go with me to verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They were filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of boldness is in them, And they were recognized to be like Jesus. Boldness is conforming into the image of Jesus. Not just being nice, not just being kind, not just being loving, not just being gentle. Boldness is being conformed into the image of Jesus. Now take a look at Acts chapter 4 verse 29. After they were disciplined, take a look at 4.29. Now they're in prayer, just like the Apostle Paul. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Look what we're up against. I mean, we're going to have to go back to the gym, and no one's going to talk to us. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your words by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with all boldness. Boldness. Ready, set, Starting to get it. Thirdly, Paul resolutely decided to be bold. He resolutely decided to be bold. It's Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I am not going to be ashamed about this. But with all boldness, as always, I'm always bold. I've made a decision. So now also Christ, listen to how matter-of-fact he is, will be magnified in my body, whether by life or they cut my head off. Because that's what he faced. I have made a resolute decision. I am going to be a bold witness. Now I want you to see where this confidence comes from. He was confident because he, was tr- he knew that he would be delivered. Now, that's an important point. His confidence of deliverance was so clear because whether he got out of the jail or not, he knew that he was already delivered. 
Whether he lived or died, he was already delivered. Paul knew that Jesus Christ pulled him out of darkness and brought him into light. He delivered him from the dominion of hell to the dominion of the kingdom of God. And he knew that he had been delivered. So that's where his confidence came from. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. It's Numbers chapter 33, verse 3. You'll love this. Numbers 33, verse 3. Children of Israel are leaving Egypt, okay? They didn't even leave Egypt like this, okay? Let's read this. They departed from Ramesses in the first month. On the 15th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. They didn't go out like this. Bye, guys. Okay, I mean, I know that, okay, we were slaves. You're not going to beat us, are you? This is how they went out. Hey, we're leaving. Our God's delivered us. You going to whip me? No. <laughs> they went out with boldness. They were so bold because God had delivered them. Paul's boldness came from the same fact. You going to kill me? Hey, I'll go to heaven. What are you going to do? He wasn't in that jail going, I can't believe I'm here. I mean, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I am not going to be ashamed. God has delivered me. He had hope in the gospel. He really believed the truth of the gospel that the Father gave the Son and that the Son gave his life and the Spirit is the seal for us unto the day of redemption in life and in death. He believed that we can be saved from our sin and spend an eternity with God. Death was not an issue for Paul because he had died already and his hope was already in the fact that he had been delivered. Let me tell you what this hope did for him. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Christian hope is the cause of Christian boldness. It's 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Christian hope is the cause of Christian boldness. Hey, we've been saved. Uh, um, I'm a Christian. You are? I want you to think for a moment of how you communicate your Christianity. Because Paul made a decision. I'm not going to act as one ashamed of something that I believe in. Let me tell you something. Any more than I'm ashamed of my heritage as a Bahamian. I am proud to tell you that I was born and raised in the Bahamas. I like fried fish. I like raw conch. I like conch fritters. I like crack conch. Some of you don't even know what conch is. That is your problem. I'm all of a sudden hungry. Paul was not ashamed. I'm going to heaven. I know where I'm from. Let me explain it in the negative. After World War II... There were many Nazis that ran to Argentina 
and Brazil ashamed to proclaim their association with the Nazi regime. You can go to Brazil, you can go to Argentina today. And there are German communities in Brazil and in Argentina. They no longer want, I don't want you to know where I'm from. I don't know what you, well, I want you to know what I, was, what I was a part of it. You know what Paul said? Hey, I will never run. I will never hide. I will never stay in the closet, nor will I act like I am ashamed. I will not fumble over my speech. If you need to hear Jesus, you're going to hear it from me. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul's fear, his shame to communicate, was eradicated by the confidence that he believed in the gospel that he preached. He believed that Jesus would actually do what Jesus said that he would do because he did it for him. Paul had the impact of so many heroes of faith who made the same resolute decision that he made. They didn't run in fear as though they'd been part of some great deception. No, they were confident in the fact that God delivered them. So Nehemiah, he boldly refused to stop building the wall because he knew that God was with him. David boldly faced Goliath even though the odds were against him. Elijah boldly proclaimed the power of God on Mount Carmel. Daniel, one of a few in an entire nation, defied the governmental bear, defied the governmental law, because they told him he couldn't pray any longer in schools. Within his generation... Speaking of the Apostle Paul, Joseph of Arimathea Arimathea boldly asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, when you read that, you might go, oh, that's so sweet. Let me tell you what it did for Joseph of Arimathea. He was rich. He had money. That means he was in the upper echelon of society. And the upper echelon means that he was friends with the Pharisees. So let me tell you what it did for Joseph of Arimathea. He risked his career. He risked his reputation. He risked his portfolio to be associated with Jesus. The Bible says he was bold to do it. Not only that, the Apostle Paul witnessed the, bold of the, pro- the boldness of the proclamation of Stephen, the first martyr. He was there when Stephen was preaching the gospel. He was there. When his face shone like an angel, he was there and was holding the coats of those that were stoning Stephen. His contemporaries, the disciples, the Apostle Paul's contemporaries, they would be martyred one by one for their resolute decision to be bold for the gospel. James, first to go, beheaded. Peter, Eusebius tells us he was crucified upside down. Andrew, crucified in India. Thomas, speared. Matthew, stabbed to death. Jude, axed to death. Bartholomew was beheaded. Each one gave their lives with the mindset of Christ. The Spirit of Christ was in him. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So maybe it's time that we need to get into the spiritual gym to gain some boldness muscles.
Because he's not talking about the fact you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not fit for the kingdom, like you can't come to Kevin. It means you're not strong. So you got to get to the gym, and you got to work out your boldness muscles. Paul called this walking worthy of the gospel. Walking worthy. I want to prove it to you. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is the last place that we're going to be tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Would you take a look at verse 12? We're going to get there, but I want to show you the truth. He says this, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He delivered you, so come walking into your promised land, the boldness of like the children of Israel. He delivered you, so I want you to walk into your promised land the way they did, with boldness. That's a walk that's worthy. See, Paul details to the Thessalonians how to have this resolute boldness for the gospel. Paul, he'd only been, let me give you some background, he'd only been with the Thessalonians for about three weeks. And he's really concerned about their witness. He'd only been with them for three weeks. He got booted out. He's so concerned about it that he sends Timothy with this letter to find out how they're doing because they were facing great opposition. His time was limited with them, and he was desperately concerned. Look over to chapter 3. I'll show it to you. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. They were going through some rough stuff, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Paul was so concerned about what they were facing, he knew that they needed boldness to be encouraged and inspired in order to stand for their faith. And I believe this message, it was not just a message for them. It's a message for us here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. And let's pick it up now in verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 9 as we delve our way into chapter 2. For they, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So the basis of his conversation to teach them about boldness came from Numbers 33.3. The children of Israel walked out with boldness because they were being delivered. You've been delivered and the fruit of your deliverance should be boldness. And so what Paul does with that foundation of deliverance is now teaches them on what it means to be bold. Let's take a look. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at 
Philippi, as you know, in other words, we had a rough time. We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Even though we had a rough time in Philippi, when we got to you, we were still bold. Let's take a commercial break. Let's define bold. This Greek word, bold, is defined as fearless, courage to be unashamed, freedom to say what you want to say. Someone at Easter, they said to me, how do you know that all those people that came forward, like it'll stick? Now, if you don't know me, I'm always very free to tell you what's on my heart. So I asked a question back in the manner of Jesus. When Jesus was ever challenged, he asked questions back. And I said, how do you know that it stuck with the Syrophoenician woman when Jesus healed her daughter? He said, I don't know. And my response to him was, that's my answer to you. God bless you. My responsibility is to plant the seed and trust that God will do the work in the life of the person that came forward. And if you're here tonight, God bless you again. I find when I am ministering to premaritals, so many new couples, they're just getting together, they struggle with boldness with each other. Like, if he burps after every meal, I'm not going to tell him. I mean, I'm going to throw up every time he does it, but I'm not going to tell him. If he eats like this, I mean, I don't want to tell him. I mean, if I tell him, he might get mad or, I mean, he might refuse my relationship with him. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm not going to tell her I don't like that blouse. She asked me, but I said I loved it. I mean, she looks and she goes, do you like what I'm wearing? I said, yes. I thought it was the ugliest dress I've ever seen in my whole life, but I'm not going to tell her. I mean, what am I supposed to say? I'll never forget when Andre and I were starting to, when we were just dating, she made me chicken Frances. When she opened the oven, fire came out. We ate it. She goes, do you like it? I love it. <laughs> it was burnt. Burnt. Where is Andrea? Is she here? Is she, oh, she's in the back? Okay. Burnt. Thank God she's not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I told her? I love it. I love it. We had just come from Africa. And we had brought our African children, first time in the United States of America. They'd never eaten a salad in their life. Who eats salad outside of, like, Americans and Europeans? Everyone else eat rice. All they knew was rice. So we went to someone's house, and they served tuna on a salad. And I was looking at all my African children. They had shoved the salad in their mouth, and their cheeks were growing and growing and growing. 
green was drizzling down. And the guy goes, do you like it? Mm Mm-hmm. New relationship. You're not going to be bold enough to tell the truth. It's just what it is. Paul was teaching the Thessalonians something. He was teaching them, don't let any opportunity pass you. Even though I was in Philippi and I got beat up, I came to Thessalonica and I thought, oh, here's people. They need the gospel and I'm not going to let any opportunity get past me. He says, I didn't want my coming to be in vain. In other words, I was there, so I told you. And I told you with boldness. I didn't hide it in my cheeks. And I didn't tell you something that wasn't true. I told you the truth. He didn't let the rejection and he didn't let the suffering of Philippi stop him from ministering somewhere else. You see, rejection, it can lessen our boldness. Refusal can also lessen our confidence. I mean, I told everybody at the gym. I invited everybody. I can't believe they didn't come. I'm not inviting anyone ever again. God, I thought you were powerful. God, I thought you would, all I have to do is ask, and then all of a sudden it happens. No, no, no. You're confused. Ready, set, we're called to the go. Be careful to not be like the new couple when you're meeting new people. Paul said, listen carefully, make the most of every opportunity, no matter where you are, no matter what's happened in your history. Take a look at verse 3. Look what else he taught them. Verse 3, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Paul really believed in the saving power of the gospel. He really had a love for God's people to be saved. And what he's saying is, there's no error, there's no fallacy, there's no deceit in the gospel. It's absolutely true. No man can get to the Father except through Jesus. Do you remember? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Be reminded of that scripture again. Therefore, since we have the hope of the gospel, we use great boldness of speech. There's a close relationship between our hope, our personal hope in the gospel, and our boldness. And if we're not bold and courageous, it could be that our hope is defective. It could be that our hope is, not def- is defective. But if our hope in the gospel is authentic, our boldness will be evident according to 2 Corinthians 3.12. Because within us is God's love for people that he wants to save. And Paul had no doubts about the hope that was within him. The question is, do we? And you may need to evaluate your witness of boldness to answer the question. Am I bold? Paul is teaching us, if you have the hope of the gospel, you will be bold. If you have the hope of the gospel, you will be bold. If you've been delivered yourself, then you're not going to hold anything back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look what else he says in verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted, key word with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Let me tell you something about Paul. 
Paul's aim was to please God. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, look what Paul says. We make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. That's a memory verse. Put it on a plaque. We make it our aim. I'm making it my goal. I don't care what anyone says. I'm making it my goal to be pleasing to God. God has given the task, ready, set, go. Now, he, he entrusted the gospel to Paul. He's entrusted the gospel to us. And I want to define what this word entrusted means. It means to have faith in with the idea of hope and certain expectation. In other words, God believed in Paul to do what he had given Paul to do. Wow. See, God won't give us anything more than what we can handle. And what that verse means is, this is what it means. Go, Chet, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Go, Chet. That's what that verse means. And you need to put your name in there. Okay? Go, Sam. He's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Go, go. what did I say? Sam. Who's Sam in here? The Lord's speaking to you. (laughs) Sam, I love you. (laughs) Oh. You see, all you have to do is put your name in there because what that means is whatever God gives us to do, he knows that we can handle. And what Paul is teaching us is this. God has given us the task to preach the gospel because he expects us to do it. He's entrusted us. He expects us to do it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 and 6. Let's look what else he's teaching them on boldness. Verse 5, let's pick it up. Uh, Yes, verse 5, thank you. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Let me tell you what Paul's saying. Paul is not in it to make a favorable impression on them. He did not read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was not his motive. In fact, do you know what God told Jeremiah? This is what God told Jeremiah. Don't look at their faces. I'm going to give you some boldness. And my boldness, my grace for you is don't look at their faces because they are going to reject you. That's what he told Jeremiah. You know what he told Ezekiel? This is the Chet version. Ezekiel chapter 3. Listen carefully. He said this. I have made you hard-headed so you won't be afraid. I have given you, he says, a strong forehead. In other words, I've made you hard-headed. My grace to you is I've made you hard-headed so that you won't be afraid. Let me say, say, he wasn't Paul. He wasn't looking for glory. He wasn't looking for, oh, that was a great sermon, Paul. Oh, you made me laugh. You made me cry. (laughs) Love Paul. He's so great. That's not why Paul went there. Because at the age of his time, there were Greek orators. They would come into a town, and they wanted glory. They wanted money. Paul says, I wasn't in it for covetousness. I wasn't in for glory. I didn't need your applause, nor did I need your money. I'm not an entertainer. Paul was making it clear, you know, I just gave you the truth. You're lost in your sin. You need salvation. And Jesus is the only way that can save you. In fact, the exact opposite happened with Paul. 
Not only did they not applaud him or give him money, they tried to arrest him, beat him up, and they ended up not being able to find him, so they beat up Jason, and Paul ran away. Could you just think about this for just a minute? After Jason got beat up and Paul ran three weeks later, I want you to think about this for a minute. It's a wonder any one of them got saved in Thessalonica. Who wants to follow that? It's a wonder that anyone gets saved at all. Think of, think of this for just a minute. All we do is simply tell people, you're going to hell. You need Jesus. He's the only one that can save. You ready? Was that no or go, Jocelyn? <laughs> There's no fanfare. There's no special prize. I'm even promising persecuting. Who wants to come to Jesus? Wait, 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 wait a second. And people still get saved? It's a miracle. Aha. That's the point. It is a miracle. The fact that people come to Christ is evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit moving for the last 2,000 years. These people that want to throw out the Old Testament because they want to make the gospel more relatable, let me tell you what that does. When you teach something in the New Testament that they don't like because you've already thrown out the Old Testament, they say, well, we don't like that either. Get rid of that. You see, there are people that are ashamed of the gospel. They're embarrassed about the way that God worked in the Old Testament. And now, <laughs> they're, well, I know, let's not do like the 1 Corinthians 6. Let's not talk about these things that are in our culture. Let's kind of like just we'll go over that because, you know, we don't want to embarrass God. Let me tell you what God says. Listen to what Paul's trying to teach. Simply give the simple gospel and trust the Spirit to do His work. Christ died for your sins, you need to be saved. Would you like to be? And let the Spirit do what he does. It's the simple gospel. Take a look again at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul's still teaching them about boldness. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become, listen carefully, dear to us. This message is very clear, and I want you to write this down. Boldness is not synonymous with boisterous. Boldness, sorry, it should be is, is not synonymous with to boisterous. There's a gentleness about boldness. A gentleness like that of a nurturing mother. I've grown in this. Seven years old, I had a, told you I've, I had a crusade amongst all my friends. Seven years old. Called them all to my garage, had them all sit down, had my own little Billy Graham crusade. Seven years old, and I looked at them and I said, every single one of you are going to burn in hell. Who wants Jesus? <laughs> I want Jesus! They all, we had a revival in my neighborhood. They were telling, you're going to burn in hell. I want Jesus! Too. People were flocking to the house. My mom was feeding people because they were going to burn in hell. 
Can I remind you of something? It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Boldness, here's a definition. Boldness is the expression of God's truth by God's love pouring out of God's people. Boldness is the expression of God's truth by God's love pouring out of God's people. It don't matter who you are or where you are. If you're a bold believer, you are going to be baptized by the truth of the Father's love, the Son's sacrifice, and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. When you're around a bold believer, you just get wet with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't help but see the love of God. He loved them. He loved these idol worshipers. He said, you left idols to follow God. These idol worshipers became dear to Paul. Dear? You see, this word dear, it's this word. Agapetos. In Spanish. He's not mi hijo, mi hijito. He's not... She's not mi abuela, mi abuelita. In fact, when you see a, a, a sweet little girl, oh, que linda, esta linda. It's just like, go, and I don't speak Spanish. I'm trying my hardest here to help you understand what's happening, okay? This is the ita of the word agape. You became dear to me. You idol worshipers. You sinners. You wretched little people. You fornicators. You rated R watching movie drunkards. You dope addicts. No. (laughs) He didn't say and point out their sin. He pointed out what God had done in his heart for these idol worshipers, and he said, you've become dear to me. Hey, church, the world, if you want to be bold, the world's got to become dear to you. You got to love them. For God so loved the world. You see, we're going to need to love them. Because let me tell you what the world's going to do. You'll give them the gospel and they will lie to you. You'll give them the gospel, they will cheat you. You'll give them the gospel and they will try to destroy you. You will need the agapetos. They will need to become dear to you this unconditional love because they will attack when you give them the love of God. You have to expect it from the world. You see, to the world, we have got to have an affectionate longing, he says, to give them the gospel. He says, I was well pleased. In other words, I couldn't wait to tell you idol worshipers 
You've become dear to me. You need the gospel. I'm pleased to do it. Let me tell you what Paul is teaching. Paul is teaching when the people of the world become dear to us, we will boldly tell them their future with Christ or without Christ. If they're dear to us, we'll actually care about them. I won't look at them as some dummies that don't know Jesus and it's us and them. I watch some news at night before I go to bed. And I used to be like this. They are so dumb. Like, I can't believe they think like that. And when you read this, you get convicted and you go, wow, they're just caught in darkness and they need Jesus. They need to understand truth. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, let's take a look. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Can I tell you something? Paul had a 40-hour work week. He made tents with Priscilla and Aquila. And while working with them, he leads them to the Lord with boldness. And at his job, Priscilla and Aquila, they go to church one day. Apollos is preaching. And they go, (laughs) we got some issues. With boldness, they speak to Apollos. And then Apollos, with boldness, goes back into the synagogue. And he carries on in the spirit of Christ. You see, he worked in order not to be a burden to them. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And let me express something about serving and boldness. When you serve here at a local church or you serve Jesus, look what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, 13, it's 1 Timothy 3.13. Look what the Bible says. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness. When we serve, we're actually going to practice for boldness. So there will be a Kid Life sign-up as you walk out, if you're more than welcome to sign up and practice your boldness. Because if you can minister to a child, you can tell anyone about Jesus. I'm kidding, by the way. That was not a shameless plug. Paul was teaching us that boldness develops as we choose to serve the Lord. Church, this boldness was not just commanded by Paul in the teaching of it. This boldness is the Spirit of Christ. We close with this. You are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul not only taught them how to be bold, he discipled them how to walk worthy. Boldness is walking worthy. tell you a story. In 376 AD, there was a man by the name of Ambrose. He was the bishop of Milan. The emperor, the Roman emperor of the time, his name was Theodosius. Theodosius. Ambrose was a very righteous man, 
He chose a very ascetic lifestyle. In fact, when they offered to pay him to be the bishop of Milan, he asked that the salary be given to his sister because he could no longer be taken to her. He wanted no money. He donated all of his money. He devoted all of his land to the church. Historian Ramsey, he describes him as straightforward, fearless, and practical. Ambrose. Theodosius was the emperor. And in 390 AD, 16 years into the bishop's service, Theodosius got mad at the Thessalonians. Something They had killed a Roman uh, guard for arresting one of their citizens. So the Thessalonians revolted against the Roman government with a fit of rage. The emperor of Rome, Theodosius, he killed everyone massacre in Thessalonica. A couple of weeks later, he says, I'm going to go to church. I want you to hear what Ambrose said to him. Listen carefully. You seem, sir, speaking to the emperor as a pastor, you seem, sir, not to know the magnitude of the bloody deed that has been done. Your rage has subsided, but your reason has not yet recognized the character of the deed. Maybe your imperial power prevents you from recognizing your sin. Power stands in the light of reason. We must, however, know how our nature passes away and is subject to death. We must know the ancestral dust from which we sprang and to which we will swiftly return. We must not, become, because, we must not because we are dazzled by the sheen of the purple, fail to see the weakness of the body that it robes. You're a sovereign, sir, of men of like nature with your own, And who are in truth your fellow slaves? For there is one Lord and sovereign of mankind, creator of the universe. With what eyes then will you look on the temple of our common Lord? With what feet will you tread that holy threshold? How will you stretch forth your hands, still dripping with the blood of those in Thessalonica? How in such hands will you receive the all-holy body of the Lord? How will you, who in your rage unrighteously poured forth so much blood, lift to your lips the precious blood? Be gone, he said. Attempt not to add another crime to that which you've committed. Submit to the restriction to which the Lord, the God, agrees with and you are sentenced with. He will be your physician. He alone can give you health. This is a pastor to the emperor of Rome saying, you have not repented. Don't come to church acting like you have. Excuse me? Ambrose, you're going to talk to the emperor of Rome like that? Theodosius went home pouting. 390 AD. His servant, who planned the Thessalonian uh, massacre with him, decides to go to Ambrose to plead his case. This was Ambrose's response. Rufus, your impudence matches a dog's. For you were advisor of this terrible slaughter. You have wiped shame from your brow. And guilty as you are of this mad outrage on the image of God, you stand here fearless without a blush. So Rufus began to pray and beg. And he announced that the emperor was on his way. Fired with divine seal, Ambrose said to Rufus, Rufus, I tell you beforehand, 
I shall prevent him from crossing the sacred threshold. If he is for changing his sovereign power into that of a tyrant, I too will gladly submit to a violent death right here on on this church door. Excuse me? Where has that boldness gone? Theodosius came. He showed up. And Ambrose looked at him and goes, don't you pass. You better repent. And you know what Ambrose did? Theodosius says, I repent. Please let me take communion. He said, okay. I want you to send out a law that the emperor can no longer respond in his emotions for 30 days. And until he hears the case. You killed thousands of people in your anger. And I want you to change the law so that you are limited. Theodosius did it. He repented and did it and changed the Roman world. Because one man, I, standing in boldness for the gospel. You might look at California as lost to the devil. I say, with boldness, where sin abounds, grace abounds. You might say we are post-Christian. I say with boldness, we are pre-revival. You might say, we have lost. I will say, the battle has just begun. Father, we come before you as a church. And would you right now, like the church in Acts chapter 4, just pray along with me. Please, don't, it's not exit time. Father, your church, would you grant us all boldness? Would you grant us all boldness? For I believe the 12 men that gave their lives but yet changed the world in a generation, the entire Roman world, had heard of Jesus Christ by the death of John the Apostle. If you can do that with 12 people, what couldn't you do with the hundreds that are here tonight? So Lord, we like the first church in Acts chapter 4. We pray, shake the building with the boldness that you give us tonight. Would you just pray silently in your heart for the Lord to give you boldness? Ask him to give you boldness at school. Ask him to give you boldness at work. Ask him to give you boldness with your family. Ask him to give you boldness with your friends. Ask him to give you boldness with strangers. Ask him for boldness. Believe. 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 
Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.